1: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host welcome back to the gregor Show on the sports Center yeah. tsn 1260 uh lots of you texting in few of you got the right answer most of you had one but uh, didn't get the second answer. The uh, trivia question was over the last two playoff years as of right now, so basically I guess the last six playoff rounds, the uh, players with the most goals, Drysaddle 20, McDavid 18, Kane has 16, and there's two players tied with Kane. Those two players, Nathan McKinnon and Chris Kreider. Suji, who is you, your winner today? Andy. Andy. Andy, congratulations. You're teaming up at Eagle Rock. Welcome back to The Gregor Show, as always, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. NHL playoffs begin tomorrow in the uh, third round in the East, and then Vegas and Dallas in the West. Uh, NBA playoffs began last night, third round, Denver-LA, hell of a game. And uh, tonight you have, uh, for the second straight year in the Eastern Conference Final, you have the Boston Celtics. Take it on Miami Heat. So check that out if you're uh, feeling like you're missing some playoff itch. You can scratch it with a little NBA. Let's get to uh, the Rashog Report brought to you by NextGen Transportation, heavy haul transport provider, 100% locally owned and operated, and huge supporter of numerous numerous youth sports teams and big sponsor of the Spruce Grove Saints. NextGenTransportation.com. Ryan Rashog joins us. Rashog, uh, what the... What did you take away from Jay Woodcroft's press conference today?
0: Uh, nothing more than I took away from his press conference postgame the other night, I'd say. A um, lot of similar messaging, a um, lot of similar um, sort of talking points. Um, I think Jay's careful about what he says in these press conferences. Um, he's a head coach. I don't, I don't blame him, um, but it's just not a lot of... We're just not getting very deep with any of it, I guess, is what I would say. Um, so uh, I don't know if that sounds like criticism or not. It's not really meant that way. It's just the way it is. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I got lots from the players and quite a yeah. bit from the GM, I, yeah. I felt. And, you know, hey, maybe the coach, he's not the one playing. So, um, you know what, uh, he, he, there wasn't maybe much uh, he could he say started. on it. Really. Yeah, guarded, guarded for sure. Um, you know, he was asked about, you know, Campbell and Skinner and just said hey you know that's something to look at for for next year and and I'm curious let's say hypothetically that Skinner starts 45 and Campbell starts 35 or role reversal because who knows goaltending from year to year you never really know if you get to the playoffs and it's that even in the regular season I don't think they should go with one guy regardless of who it is what do you think
0: yeah, I mean, this is part of what they kind of need to figure out, right? Because the 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 one A one B model of starting during the regular season, it sets up for a certain cadence and a certain rhythm, right? But it takes a pretty strong coach to be like, okay, we're getting close to this guy's limit. I know uh, he's won his last two, but we're going to the other guy now. You know, like what? So when when are you when are you changing a guy out? You changing a guy out after a loss? Now it's a now it's a negative. Now it's not about workload, it's about you lost last game, bud, so the other guy's going in. So I, I think it's, it's easier said than done. With the magnitude of playoff games, it's hard in that moment to make the determination, he's played enough, even though he's playing well, we're going to the other guy. I think that would be extremely hard. But in hindsight, it feels maybe like it might be practical. Um, I don't know what the answer is um i don't know what the science says um i just think it's it's, it's easy to say that now because of what happened really hard to do in the moment unless you're just doing it after losses and you just hey okay switch so the other guy gets a crack now and gets to keep going until he loses you know i don't know Greg. what's the practical way to do it
1: um well it's i think it's a fair question Based on, on the goalie you have, based on the team, and really based on what you did all year. Because if you do one thing all year long and you never have your goalie start more than three games in a row, why would you suddenly then, when the pressure and the speed of the game amps up, say, now you're going to start 15, 20 games in a row? You know what I mean? Like it, goalies used to start 65 games. Guys used to play eight, nine, 10 in a row all the time. That doesn't happen very much anymore. So I'm I'm curious. That, to me, will be something that's interesting to watch. And, uh, you know, like Boston, I think, erred in how they handled their goalies because for basically five months, Allmark never played more than two games in a row. And I'm not saying that guaranteed them a loss, but it's definitely one to say, hmm, you went away with what got you to the playoffs. So why would you do that?
0: Well, everybody does it. Like uh, I don't know, most teams do it. How, how many but, but, teams that have goalies that that share the net during the year all of a sudden just flip to one guy, wire to wire, in the, or, or, or suddenly just keep doing that in the playoffs regularly, back forth, back forth. You
1: know? Yeah. But outside of Vasilevsky lately, like you're not winning with it. You know what I mean? Like
0: I know. You look. I right? I I think your point is good, and I think you know the questions to. Uh, Jay about that today uh, you know we asked him about that and like I, I think it's all fair and relevant um, I just think in the moment you got to play the guy that you feel gives you the best chance to win that night and maybe part of this is because I said I would have started Skinner in game six right I understand why he did what he did but I do wonder if there isn't a bigger conversation about convention and conventional wisdom and and you know I, I'd be interested to know you know, Stanley Cup championship teams over the last 15 years take their goaltending, you know, what percentage of games did, the, did their guy start in the regular season and what percentage of games did he start in the playoffs and how common is it to take a guy who played 60% of the starts during the regular season and suddenly give him 100% of the starts in the playoffs, you know, what does is, what is the, the math tell you? Um, I think you're making totally reasonable points. I just know when you get into the heat of the battle, that's, that's tough. Ron
1: Rashog joins us. Uh, Ken Holland, um, it was interesting. He said he's sticking around, but definitely didn't commit to, you know, I'll honor my contract. He's got one year left on his contract. Um, you know, he said Steve Stales will do more assistant uh, GM things. <coughs> do you get a sense there's a succession plan in place possibly? Like, is, is Ken Holland, do, do you see him returning after, like, do you see him renewing and getting another contract? Or will he walk, uh, will he retire into the sunset after next year?
0: Well, I don't know if he'll retire into the sunset. Depends how much sort of pep he's got in his step. Depends on the results and depends on if the organization wants to have him back. Um, I think this will be his last year as general manager. Absolutely, I think that. You know, and he clarified he would be back as GM next season. But I think there has to be a succession plan in place. Of course there has to be. And so right now, I think, is where you're making plans for your succession plan. That's the responsible thing to be doing this year. And I think Ken Holland will play a major role in those succession plans, given his dual role here. So could I see the Edmonton Oilers engage in a process where they start identifying candidates to take over for Ken Holland after next season? thousand percent. Do I think that'll be only internal candidates? No chance. I don't think with a job that important um, that they would limit that to only internal candidates. You know, I, I could absolutely see them wanting to see who's out there you know i I mean bob nicholson went through a a reasonably extensive process when he hired ken holland why wouldn't you do something similar right they've got some really good internal candidates and steve Steos is right there 100 percent the situation in ottawa needs to be watched and Steos's employment needs to be protected um but i think there'll be a process Greg's. And I think that process gets undertaken here. Everyone needs to take a breather and take a breath. There's going to be a lot of voices involved, would be my guess. You know, Paul Coffey's been around a lot. Steve Stales is now there. You know, Keith Gretzky is there. Bill Scott's been there for a really long time. Um, you know, Daryl Cates, obviously, at the top. Bob Nicholson and Ken Holland. Like, there's a lot of discussions to be had. But it's the responsible thing to do to have a succession plan in place, and I absolutely think they'll get started on that in the next few months, but I don't think it involves only internal people. Why would it?
1: No, I don't think it would. Paul Coffey, for the record, is really just kind of part-time, right? Like, I don't, you know, and, and even I, I like how Ken Holland outlaid, uh, you know, Pat Verbeek and Steve Eiserman and Sean Horkoff. Like, you got to spend many years at times to learn all of the ins and outs. It's why Keith Gretzky just said, Hey, I want to be the GM essentially of the uh, Bakersfield Condors. And I've talked to Keith about it. You learn all the facets of what has to run the organization. And, and it's a really good learning opportunity. I'm pretty sure he's one of the guys getting interviewed in Pittsburgh, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, so we'll see um what what happens there but i i look ahead to to the orders off season um, you know Evan Bouchard I, I think it's fate accompli he's gonna get a bridge deal I don't think the orders can offer him a long-term deal that that has an AAV that he would really want to sign I know fans are like ah, they got to do it I'm like yeah but Broberg's not signing for five and a half or six on an eight-year deal I I shouldn't say that Bouchard Sorry, Bouchard, Bouchard. Yep. I don't um I don't think he would because I think him and his camp realize like hey this guy could make even more so I, I think a bridge deal at a you know start at you know, 3.5 3.8 you know Dobson got three years at four million and that's three years so if it's shorter term it's probably lesser AAV is usually how it goes so you know I I think that's happening um I still believe Yamamoto's gone whether it's a a trade or or buy like a buy I just don't think you can bring him back at 3.1 million I just I don't see how it fits into your in in a cap world where you just don't have a lot of cap space I don't see how that works
0: yeah no you outlined that really well yesterday and I I don't I don't disagree with that the number You know for the contribution and that's just a situation where a guy in a contract year put up a good number of goals and and you know put himself in a spot to earn a good chunk of money and then had trouble coming back and and duplicating those numbers right i mean had he been sitting on a similar offensive output and chipped in some more in the playoffs he'd be going okay well it's not ideal but it's doable it feels undoable based on the results from this last season so um i don't disagree with you there um I don't know if Dylan Holloway will be in position to come in and you know be trusted enough to be given a top six spot like Yamamoto had in the early going. I'm not sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think if, but but yet that third line. I mean, you know, McLeod is as a as a you know McLeod Fogle. You know, is there a way to work is there a way to work Dylan Holloway in as a, a third line forward guaranteed? You know, do this year what do next year what you wanted to do with him this year.
3: Yeah.
1: Play him and, Fogle and on the, the right way, way, wing.
0: Right? I, I do what's that?
1: You could play Fogle on the right wing. He started his career there. He's actually pretty yeah. comfortable, he says on the right yeah, side. Yeah, you
0: could do that for sure. And 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 I respectfully disagree with what Jay Woodcroft said today about about Holloway's role not being diminished, right? And he talked about how he got sent down to the minors and got hurt right away. And I think it, it took way too long to get him to the minors. And I know the Oilers had some injury troubles, um, but I think Dylan Holloway's development needed to trump any of those things that were going on in the moment. Um, so I do think that they're there, I didn't, I didn't love the handling of his minutes and his, his, you know, the way he was used this year. So I respectfully disagree with him on that front. And the problem here is that, you know, what can you expect from Dylan Holloway next season? Um, And if I were them, I would have my fingers crossed that he comes in and grabs a top six job and shows work ethic and reliability that he can grow into that. Um, But I would have a place for him on the third line carved out and a role for him carved out and a plan for him. And I would do my absolute best to stick to it uh, because you're going to need that player next playoffs you need a good young player on an entry-level deal that can do what Yamamoto did or better um at entry-level dollars you know so I think there needs to be a real plan in place for Holloway not just for training camp not just for the start of the season but where they need him to be by playoff time
1: yeah I think that's totally realistic I think that's something they have to look for for sure um now that you had an extra day to think about it you listen to Ken Holland and talk uh, what do you think happens on the right side of the
3: blue line?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, we'll, we'll get to spend a little bit talking about it here, I think, because um, I think that there's, there definitely is a, a need for it to be addressed in their top four. I think they have one top four right side guy, and they got two third-pairing right side guys. Uh, and I know that's not ideal. They've got too many guys over on the left side as well. So my instinct is to say, well, you know, if you can move move along, um, Cece or Kulak, but the problem is Kulak, like Kulak played really well, and I think they really like him, and he's been really good two playoffs in a row. And what do you do? You got Nurse, you got Ekholm, you got Kulak. Those are three really good left side guys. So maybe. You know, you've got to make a decision here on Broberg because if packaging Broberg allows you to bring something in that moves the dial more on the right side, if you can move CC, um, you know, maybe there's some thought process to that. And DNA's development helps, you know, with the blow of moving on from a guy like Broberg. Um, I'm not sure, man. The problem is you're making a decision without truly knowing what Philip Broberg might be. 100%. I, I don't think they have that answer. And I think that's a problem that they don't have that answer. They needed that answer, and I think that's in large part on them, that they don't have that answer. Shogger, to be a fun offseason. Chat with you tomorrow. Yep, look forward to it, buddy. That's
1: uh, Ryan Shog. Shog Report brought to you by nextgentransportation.com. Uh, we'll return. We have. Uh, we're going to hear from uh, Ken Holland. If you made Holland had a few beauties today. We'll get to uh, some of them. Uh, some humorous ones. Some some real passionate ones uh, as well. Well, we'll get to that. Uh, we'll get to uh, tell me I'm wrong, and more on the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Five twenty-eight on Edmonton Sports Theater, TSN twelve sixty. It's time to get to our big guest today. Brought to you by. Silent Rides Charter Company, one of Alberta's premier bus charter companies, with state-of-the-art motor coaches that safely take your team or group to your next destination. Need a ride? Go to silentrides.ca. They'll keep you moving all summer long. And uh, Ken Holland, Prescott. We'll get to a lot of different comments from uh, Ken Holland today because I thought he had a, a real interesting one. We'll get to his thoughts on on defense and what makes you able to play defense successfully because that was really the topic from the players Hey, we got to be better. we got to limit the amount of easy goals we give up. That's an area that the players to a man from Dreisaitl, Hyman, McDavid, Kane, go down the list. They all said it yesterday. At home, they all said the same thing. But there was one quote today from Ken Holland that I, that really you know, just showed he was pretty fired up, he was pretty passionate today, and talked about it. You know, like, hey, the playoffs are hard, man. You want to keep giving every chance to get there. And then he said, if you do ever win, it's worth it.
2: But there's 31 organizations digging in. That's why I told you guys, when you win the Stanley Cup, boy, do you party. Because it's not a one-year quest. It's a lifetime quest. Do you know what I mean? You can't party enough when you win that thing. It's a party machine. Because it's so hard to get your hands on.
1: Uh, and it's true. Like, that's why you party for quite a while, right? And it's, it was interesting how he outlined He goes, hey, this is what we're doing. You know, they, they brought in Kane, they brought in Hyman, they brought in Kulak. You know, he traded for him. You trade for Ekholm. Like, he's made some significant moves. Like, I, I'm, I'm always perplexed a little bit, and we'll get to that a little bit later on and help me understand. But, um, Ken Hall, and here's the other one about defense. And, why you know, does does he as a manager when the players are saying he won't be better defensively, do, do you consider your acquisitions at all to be more defensive minded players?
2: I think everybody can play defense. I think seven hundred players I, I think it's a commitment. It's a it's a it's a it's a it's a desire, it's a determination. And I think that that the disappointments the the, the, the devastating losses um you know when we lost in the first round to Edmonton in 06 and we won the cup in 08 like i didn't get 20 different players those uh, i mean i'd, I'd love to look at the roster but probably of those 23 guys we were on our roster in in 0, 0, 06 18 19 they were probably on that team in 08, you, it's it's the same players just doing some things differently. Like, I just can't go out and get a whole bunch of different play- That's not the way, you, you know, geez, that's not the way you can't go out and get a whole bunch of different yeah. players. It's being in these situations over and over and over and over again and understanding as a manager... Got to make a few tweaks, and I got to make some changes. I got to make some massive changes. Or as a coach, I got to make some uh, adjustments, and I got to maybe do this. Or we're going to change the way we play. Or a neutral zone. This, and every player goes back and looks in the mirror and decides, I got to do this, or I got to do that. It's a commitment. It's a
1: desire. And and I really sense from the players yesterday. Now, unless they're just blowing smoke, which I've never really got that impression, honestly, from from the players. Drysital, he's you know Dreisaitl holds himself to pretty high standard. David, same thing. You don't become great by having a low standard for yourself. You have a very high standard. And I feel that those guys, when they say, "Hey, we need to be better as a team," and that includes themselves. You have Hyman. You have Ekholm. And and how they spoke yesterday, like the pain was legitimately real. Euler fans, you you were upset. Probably magnify that tenfold for the players. And if if they commit and it's not saying the orders are suddenly gonna be boring. I don't think that's the case at all. Try settle and said it, we're attacking team, and you can attack and you put the other team on your heels. And but in order to attack properly, you don't have to attack every time. You know, you need to be a little bit more wise. Hey, we don't have to try this backhand pass in the D zone here. Or this is my responsibility. I'm not cheating up thinking there's going to be a pass out and leave my guy alone. Whichever player it is, right? If you're two feet from the boards, you're getting it out of the zone. Doesn't have to be, oh, geez, if I make a backhand pass, we got a two-on-one. No, I'm just going to get it out because if I don't make the pass, then they got an easy chance the other way. And that just comes down to commitment, so. Now that the players are talking about it, I think there's a much better chance it happens. Cons, what do you think?
3: I would think so, Gregor. I mean, it's kind of it. It seems like it's almost kind of common knowledge, though, don't you think? Like yeah, in playing defense, that there is an aspect of that skill and understanding where you have to be, but a lot of it is desire. So, where was that going into the last two years? Was losing to Colorado not eye opening enough for them? Like, wh- why why is this one different? I guess there's more disappointment, and expectations were certainly higher, but. Uh, I, I guess I'm, I'm more curious why it wasn't happening in this series, and how do you get it out of them? How do you unlock it? Is it you know? Because it's easy to say now, yeah, we got to, we got to be better that way. This is what we're going to do. But you know, when you're in game 90 of the season, how how do you dig deep and find that and and make sure you play solid defense? Yeah. Well, I, I think it's really just understanding.
1: Like last year, they probably didn't believe their team was as good. I think that's fair. I don't I don't think people go player by player and say they were better last year than this year. So, and, and you know what, sometimes you, ah, well, and last year was the first time they'd ever really had success going to the second round winning, the third round. So you're excited about, it. okay. Mm-hmm. And now you build your team, you think you're better, and you believe you're better, and then you get absolutely kicked in the teeth. And, uh, you know, the first four games were pretty split even. But then in game five and six, what cost the orders? The second period. It wasn't the whole game. It was the second period. And literally, it was a less than two minutes in game five of the second period. And then it was the second period on home ice in Game Six. Edmonton controlled the first period. They controlled the third period. They lost the game in a small window of time. And I think that's hard to accept because you just you had some brain cramps, you had some misreads, and boom, in the back of your net. And yeah, you didn't finish, but you can never guarantee you're always going to finish. Scoring's hard. Can't always rely and say, "Wow, well, we'll give up a goal because we know we're going to outscore them." Sometimes you got to win two to one. Sometimes you got to win three two. And uh, it'll be, you won't know until next playoffs if they've truly learned, but you can see signs of it. Because the one thing we saw in the regular season, the orders were consistent in gifting goals. That was consistent. And that reappeared at times in the playoffs. Not as blatant, but still there. And I think that's what they need to fix. Now, let's get to, because uh, this is kind of coincides with this, let's get to uh, Help Me Understand, brought to you by Elite Promotional Marketing, where uh, if you need, any sort of uh, promotional gifts for your company, whether it's for a, a golf tournament, whether just for a big uh, 50, 25-year anniversary, you know, they got it all. They'll do all the logoing, do all the stitching. They'll do everything first class. Go to ElitePromoMarketing.com. Help! I don't understand
2: it. I don't understand it at all. Help! I'm afraid I don't understand. Understand, do you? Help! I don't understand. What? Help, uh, help me understand. It's too
1: technical for a layman to understand. So, you know, I understand that people are emotional. You get caught up, you're emo- ah, fired up, team I cheer for, lost, I'm mad. Right? Somebody's got to get a pound of flesh. Like, that's not my personality. I don't look to, to want to blame someone when something doesn't go right. That's just not who I am. But help me understand the people who suggest that Ken Holland has not done a good job since he took over as uh, as GM of the Emton Orders. Like, I tell, honestly... Help me understand what, what you're, what you're thinking or what your reasoning is in that time. They made the playoffs all four years, even 2020 in the joke playoff format that they had. Like they would have made the real playoffs if it's not for COVID and it was only 16 teams, right? Now they could have lost in the first round, but they still would have made the playoffs, right? I think we all agree on that. They were a clear playoff team. No question about it. But look at the teams. In the in the two years prior to uh, to Ken Holland coming in, and you had McDavid and you had Drysaddle, the Edmonton orders combined had the 25th most points in the NHL on the team he took over. Drysaddle, McDavid were on those teams. So was Darnell Nurse. So was Nugent Hopkins, right? So the skill players were all there. Then look, since he took over, who he's brought in? First, he brought in Tyson Berry. Turned out to be a great signing. Really value signing. Tyson Berry lived up to his contract and more. And then he actually turned Tyson Berry into Matias Eckholm. Not bad deal. Brett Kulak. Cody Ceci. Now, Cody Cece this year wasn't as great. Last year was excellent value. No one's complaining about that signing. Hey, he's $3.25 million. He's not a massive piece. Decent player. Zach Hyman. No complaints. Evander Kane. I don't think there's any complaints. Derek Ryan. No complaint. So which signing? Zach Cassian? Okay, sure. Zach Cassian, you know, you gave him the contract extension. It didn't work out. Totally fair. Mike Smith, unbelievable value contract. Many of you wanted Markstrom. They didn't want to go the extra year with Markstrom. Look at Mike Smith's numbers and the contract that you paid him and compare it to Markstrom. It was a no-brainer win. Duncan Key trade for what? Caleb Jones, who was never going to help your team. And a mid-round pick. Didn't hurt you at all. Got you to the third round of the playoffs. And more importantly, gave some added experience to your players. So I don't understand the suggestion that Ken Holland hasn't done a good job as a GM. He's made a lot of significant moves. He's improved the team. They've gotten bigger. They've gotten faster. The depth of the team is way better. So help me understand where he's done a total terrible job.
3: Hard for me to say, Gregor. I mean, I I went back and looked at the squad he had. Uh, you know, this summer as he joined the team, and you know, it, the talent dropped off quick. Yeah, like you said, McDavid, Drysdale, Nuge, Nurse were there, but then Chase on Clefbaum was the next leading scorer. Obviously, that's out of his hands. He can't control that. You had Cassian, and Luci, Jujarcare, Drake Gajula. Like Ty Raddy played 50 games for that team. Like he's upgraded this team in so many areas. And we got a text coming in here saying paying Nurse nine million dollars. We've talked about that many times. The market oh. was set, and that's what the contract was going to be. But I don't I don't get it either. It, it, people think because, you know, you have the two best players in the world, you're automatically going to win championships. It's just not built that way. That's not the way the NHL is. Teams are too good. There's too much talent around the league. And he's improved this team every year, and it's got to keep on continuing for them to get there. But, yeah, I, I don't get the, the thought process that he's done a bad job. He's made moves. He's given up first-round picks. He's brought in good players. Now the guy's just got to, you know, reward him, get the job done.
1: Yeah, I, I've outlined the nurse a million times. Uh, Dom, uh, so if you're an analytics number guy, Dom did a whole article on it that valued him at $9.4 million, which is actually above what he gets paid. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I took all the average of the defensemen around him. You know what the average was? 8.75. So if you want to argue and say, oh, my God, it's a terrible contract over five hundred grand. how many other defensemen are guaranteed committing here? You don't know that. It's not like Edmonton is an unbelievable place that everybody wants to sign. That's a fact. Players will come here, sure. Helps with McDavid and Dreisaitl. So if you let them walk, who are you signing? That's all I ask. Who are you signing? It was going to be clearly any better. So if you want to argue over 500 grand, because that's the average of all the other guys who signed around him, go to town. I, I, I think that's kind of a, a narrow-minded thought process. Can Nurse be consistent more at times? 100%, like a lot of the other players. But Darnell Nurse, actually, if you look at all the numbers over the course of the year, Nurse had a pretty good year. Is he guilty at times of being parts of the big giveaways? 100%. And that needs to improve, and I will not argue with that. I will agree wholeheartedly. But he also does lots of good things. And if you don't, and if you can't see those, well then I can't help you. Because it's not how you do analysis of a full player. You don't just pick the things you don't like and focus on that. You have to look at the whole thing. But Nurse can be a poster boy a little bit of the team, where Certain times in the game, you got to know that less is more. But Ken Holland, I I don't see how you can find arguments. No GM's perfect. Not every move works. But the vast majority of his worked very well. Hey, Gregor, is a team with a $10 million player won the cup from Puffy? No. But Tampa Bay won with three guys making 9.5. So I I think it's a really easy, lazy argument to throw at that number. Oh, it's $10 million. Well, geez, we have three guys at 9.5. We just got under. But if you uh, look, Vegas has a guy in double-digit in, uh, double millions right now. So does uh, actually Florida has a few of them. So I don't uh, – that'll eventually happen because there's not many number one. But I don't really think it's a, a big deal either. Quick. Break. We'll come back with, uh, Connor Halley. Tell me I'm wrong on the Gregor show presented by playalberta.ca. We wrap up a busy Wednesday afternoon. Uh, tomorrow Terry Ryan will be on the show. Uh, Friday we got a, a great guest about skating. For all of you who maybe we, we, we're going to go into the mechanics of skating a little bit on, uh, Friday's show with Daryl Marchuk. Looking forward to that. Uh, let's get to the con man and, uh, tell me I'm wrong. Halley edition brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling, home with no payments, no interest for one year on your AC unit. Stay cool all summer
3: at legacyheating.ca. The Jason Greger Show presents Tell Me I'm Wrong. Greger, uh, I don't know if you saw this one. The news came down that a Yankees pitcher, Domingo Germán, was suspended for 10 games for the use of a foreign substance. Uh, I'll make this one quick because we don't have too much time here. Why do they, Major League Baseball officials go with 10 games for starting pitchers? It's two starts. Like, w- Why do they put that big number there and... And make it seem like it's worse than it is. We know he's not going to miss ten games when it comes to the pitchers. It's a two-game suspension for the the foreign substance felt on the hand. Seems a little low for me for the the whole trying to cheat and you know ruin the integrity of the game. But Gregor, uh, when when it comes to Major League Baseball pitchers, why don't they just come up front with us and say, you know what, it's going to be two starts. Simplify it. Don't don't give us that bigger number. We know it means nothing. Tell me I'm wrong. Cause I like it now. When
1: they're suspended for 10 games, does that mean that they're not around any of the team activities? Would, right, because yeah. so, so you can't chart or anything like that, because if you say two games, then it's the next two games. So I, I kind of understand why they do it uh, that way, because I think when he's suspended for 10 games, he's not allowed to be around. Because usually if you're the starting pitcher for the next game, you're charting stuff and doing all that other stuff. Right. So there's other aspects. Now, I could be wrong on that. So I'm just asking because honestly, I've never looked deep into because um, I know when you're suspended in the NHL, you can't practice with the team. Right. So you get to do anything. So I'm guessing it's the same for a pitcher, but I don't know. Like, is he allowed to throw on his own? Right. Can he throw? Can he? Because I know players, when they're suspended from the team, um they're you're usually well, you can't be on practice with the team. I guess you can go skate on the community rink or something by yourself. Pretty certain if my memory is correct. But. I don't know in baseball. So if it was 10 games for a pitcher and you're out of your routine, like I'm guessing he's going to throw somewhere on his own. (laughs) I just don't know how that works. So um, that would be my only – I can't tell you I'm wrong because I don't know the answer. So now I'm kind of asking. So now we're going to have to look that up, Cons. Now you got to make work (laughs) project for us. So that's fantastic. But, yeah, it it does seem odd. But, hey, that's pretty legit. Did you see the video of it? Like it was so blatant, (laughs) right? It was just like, Jesus, this guy have a dip and just spit it on his pants? Like it was – you couldn't even hide it. Like, he's not even trying to hide it. So, um, uh, also, I think, uh, guys, they do the 10 games because they get paid uh, uh, by the team. They don't get paid per game. So, yeah, there, there you go. That's probably a bigger suspension, right? You get fined, like, the 10-game equivalency, not how many games you pitch. So, yeah, I can see that, too. Bigger fine that goes involved in it. Interesting. So there you go. Coming up tomorrow, Terry Ryan will have, uh, more on the, uh, NHL NBA playoffs. Also, Vincent de I believe Vincent de is a player that not a lot of people talk about. I really, I thought huge growth this season. I think it'll be a big part of the team. No pun intended next year. Let's get to the con man on a sports center update brought to you by BIE engineering, your structural engineering specialist. Whether in the process of a reno or building your dream home, BIE can help you out. Go to BIENG.com.